Uh, we are in a series uh, as we prepare to move to a, a new building in town. And so our first message Pastor Jeremy gave was on sleeping well, trusting the Lord for the work ahead. Then we looked at seeking the Lord in all of this. And then last week, the hard work that is ours as we make this transition. And so today, as we've said, we're thinking about reaching the lost. And so what a good song to lead us into that. No other name has power to save. There's no other name, Christ, given to men whereby we must be saved, but Jesus Christ the Lord. We'll be looking at various passages in the Bible, so grab a Bible, have it ready to go. We'll be skipping around a a bit looking at, at those things. So let's pray before we open up Scripture. Father God, again, we praise you. We thank you for the word that you have given to us that is written down and preserved, that we can open it and read it and learn it and apply it to our lives. And so, Father, as we dig into your word this morning, would you give us insight and understanding? May your spirit give us application to our lives and a boldness and a courageousness to apply it to our lives, that we may live more for you, for your honor, and for your glory. So we offer this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So first question for us this morning as we transition to a new building, what are we to be doing? What is our ultimate focus to be? What are we called to? Yes, there's the work, the physical task of preparing a building, but what is it more than that? More than that, we are called to make disciples. We are to make disciples. Turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 is where we'll start this morning. This is at the end of Matthew's gospel. Jesus Christ has been killed, murdered on a cross. He's been buried. He's been raised. And he's appearing to his disciples. And here we see this great commission. Uh, in verse 16, here's what we read. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Hold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so here's this instruction for the the disciples. The disciples were to go and make disciples. They were to duplicate themselves over and over again. Jesus said, you are devoted followers of mine, devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and you are now to go and make more followers of Jesus Christ. And this ties in, this is directly tied to God's purpose for humankind, right? Way back in Genesis 1, when God first creates man and woman, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, he says this, And God blessed them, and God said to them, here's their instruction, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it. So God's purpose from the beginning was that the world, this earth, will be filled with God worshipers, will be filled with those who worship God. And so this great commission that we're given just continues. It confirms that. It continues 
that purpose. Go and make disciples, right? Go fill the earth with those who would turn and worship God. God's desire is that the earth would be full of people, of humankind, who would worship and glorify him. And so we have to go make disciples. Because now the church takes on this most important task, this great commission, this important task of going and making disciples. Uh, This is what uh, the Pine Grove Community Church mission statement states. If you look at the front of your bulletin, we have it listed there uh, about a quarter of the way down the page. We exist to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Said another way, Pine Grove Assembly Church, we exist to glorify God by going and making disciples. That's what we are to be about. And so as we look at a new building, that doesn't change. We're to be about going and making disciples. Now we have to understand this is not of ourselves, right? We don't do this in our own wisdom. We don't do this in our own strength. This is all done, as we see in Matthew 28, by the authority, by the name, and by the power of Jesus Christ, right? He says, before this command, he says, all authority is mine. Therefore, go, and I, my name, my authority is with you always. Therefore, make disciples. This disciple-making is done in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we go about our life, as we go about our day, as we go about the things that are ours in front of us, we are to make disciples. That means in your home with your family, make disciples. That means when you're at work, Make disciples. When you go back to school this fall, make disciples. When you're in your neighborhood, at the park, make disciples. It means as we transition to a new building, make disciples. This is the business. This is the task that we are to be engaged in. In all of life, this should be a driving motivation for us. To go make disciples share the gospel, see people growing in Christ. So one of the ways that this happens is through the building up of the saints, right? For those of us who are in Christ Jesus through faith, right, there's a building up of the saints. Those who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we baptize and we teach obedience to all of God's commands. That's part of making disciples. But this also means that there is a reaching out, or reaching out, there's a, a world full of unbelievers, full of those who don't worship and glorify God. People all around you in our community who are not God worshipers. Lots in Rhinelander who fit in this category, right? Lots and lots of people around who are unbelievers who are not fitting into this category of worshiping God, who are not disciples of Jesus Christ. And so if we are going to continue making disciples for Jesus Christ, part of that must include reaching the lost. What do I mean by the lost? 
I mean, those who are in unbelief, those who do not believe, who not place their faith in this gospel, those who are not putting their full trust and confidence in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for their salvation. We must reach the lost. So as we think about the lost, what is their condition? What is the state that they are in? Simply put, the lost are spiritually dead. The lost are spiritually dead. Unbelievers are dead. They are spiritually separated from God because of their sin. Now, if this is you this morning, I encourage you to repent and believe the gospel. Believe in the Savior, Jesus Christ, who came from heaven, who came to earth, who went to the cross, took your sin upon himself, and died. He paid that spiritual separation death on your behalf, and he rose to life again. Turn to him and believe this gospel. We'll be talking about that a little bit more later, so hang on with me. But we, we have to understand, if we're going to reach the lost, we have to understand that they are spiritually dead. There is spiritually no life in them. Right? That affects how we approach them. They don't have biblical understanding. Right? They can't comprehend that. They can't discern those things. Here's what, some of what the Bible says about lost people, about unbelievers. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. They are dead in trespasses and sins. 2 Corinthians 4, 4. Unbelievers' minds are blinded by Satan so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Ephesians 4, 18. They are darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God due to the hardness of heart because of sin. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 says that they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. That's where unbelievers are. That's why we say lost. They're without hope. They're spiritually dead. There is no life. There is no hope. And only judgment awaits. So we have to understand that all of this is due to sin, right? Sin kills. It brings death. It separates. Sin has terrible, eternal consequences the greatest of which is that spiritual death, that separation for all eternity from God under his wrath. According to Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin, what is due sin is death, this spiritual separation. There is no other option. Sin against a holy God brings death. Now, lest we become prideful and conceited, let's remember That's where each one of us was at one point. We were all there. Each one of us was in this lost, desperate condition of death. Each one of us was enslaved by sin. We were spiritually dead. We were headed for an eternal punishment apart from God. 
But there's one who changes all that. There's one who is atoned for sin. There's one who can save from all of that. There's one who brings hope. And that one is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our life. He is the only one that can change this condition of spiritual death. And so if the lost are spiritually dead, what is it that they need? What is their need? They need the opposite of that, right? The lost need spiritual life. The lost need spiritual life. Turn with me to John chapter 3. The Gospel of John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus, a Pharisee, comes to Jesus at night. And Nicodemus says, we know that you are from God, right? That is evident. We know you're from God. And here's how Jesus replies in verse 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again. This is the need for life the need for true spiritual life that comes only from God. In the letter of 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, it says that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. So how does this life come to us? How does this spiritual life come to us? How do we go from spiritual death to spiritual life? This life comes to us by the Holy Spirit, through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at this as we're going to fly through the book of John, verses in the book of John. Look at how we get life. John chapter 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. John chapter 5, verse 24. Chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. It's in Jesus Christ. Chapter 6, verse 40. Chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, Jesus says, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Chapter 10, verse 10. Chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came, Jesus said, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Skip down to chapter, uh, verse 27, chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus answered her, the woman, and said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me... Though he die, yet shall he live. Chapter 14, 
verse 6. Chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Chapter 20, verse 31. Speaking of all this that John has written in his gospel, verse 31 of chapter 20, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. One more, 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 11. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So, summarize this. Spiritual life comes only through Jesus Christ. And that spiritual life is eternal. We saw that again and again through these verses. It will never end. That life is eternal. Once you have been given eternal life, eternal spiritual life in Christ Jesus, you will never, ever, ever enter into spiritual death again. It's not possible. That's the difference between physical life, which we see with our eyes, and spiritual life, right? Physical life will end. These physical bodies will die. They will pass. And yet the spiritual life, the unseen, internal, spiritual life of Christ within us will never, ever, ever come to an end. It is eternal. This is the great need of every lost person, every unbeliever, to be transferred from spiritual death spiritual life. It happens only in Christ Jesus. Turn back to the Gospel of Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19 here we see a a story you're probably familiar with. Jesus and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus tries to see Jesus. Jesus says come on down. I'm going with you to your house. tells him the good news of the kingdom. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, the lost just don't just need to be found. They need to be saved. Right? What do they need to be saved from? They need to be saved from sin and from death. They need to be saved from eternal punishment. That salvation comes when they are given the life of Christ through faith. So what is God's heart for these lost ones? What is it that he desires? We read about in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, it says that God desires all people to be saved. God desires all people to be saved. 
We see this in the Old Testament in Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 10. It says this, God is speaking to Ezekiel and he says, And you, son of man, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you said, house of Israel has said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? God desires repentance. Turn to first, uh, Second Peter chapter 3. He says the same thing. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing, this is God, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's desire for unbelievers is that they would repent, that they would turn from their sin and turn to follow Christ. God wishes that all would be saved. God wants all people to turn and to worship him, to become God worshipers, to glorify him. So today, if you are here, if you are apart from Jesus Christ, if you are spiritually dead in your sin. This is God's desire for you. God's desire for you is that you would repent, that you would turn from your sin, and that you would follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and that you would live. That you would live. This is salvation. This is eternal life. It can be yours in Christ Jesus. So how about you, faithful ones here at Pine Grove? How do we then reach the lost? As we go through this process of transitioning into a new location, a new building, as we go through the process of getting it ready, moving in, settling in over there, how can we use this phase, this time in our church history to reach the lost? We reach the lost through a bold preaching of the gospel. We reach the lost through a bold preaching of the gospel, right? Because as we talked about, sin has consequence. And there is so much destruction in the world due to sin. People experience hurt and pain in their relationships. People are faced with terrible, terrible circumstances in their life. Those lost people, their lost people are spiritually dead, they are facing the reality of eternal consequence because of their sin. Jesus Christ is their only hope, and they only hear this hope through the preaching of the gospel. Turn back uh, to First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 23. Since you 
have been born again, speaking to believers, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. That's how you're born again, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, all of its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord remains forever, and this, is, this word is the good news that was preached to you. The good news of the gospel that was preached to you so that you could hear and believe. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing the word of God. This Bible is living. This word of God presents words of life to those who are spiritually dead. It's the message of the gospel that brings new life. We must make it known. We are called to make it known. So the question becomes, is this for you? As a believer in Jesus Christ, is this for you? Or maybe it's for pastors, maybe it's for missionaries. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Thanks for jumping around in your Bible with me. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. We saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so what was Jesus' command here to the disciples? Pray. Right? Pray. Jesus says there are so many people who need to hear this gospel, so you, disciples of mine, pray to the Lord to send out laborers, to send out those who go preach the gospel into this harvest field in order to produce fruitfulness. Pray that there would be people who would go. Jump down to chapter 10, verse 5. Chapter 10, verse 5 of Matthew. These 12 Jesus sent out. These 12, Jesus sent out. So what's the point? These disciples were told to pray, and then very quickly after that, they are sent out. Right? Your job, my job as believers in Jesus Christ is to pray and to go. To pray and to preach the gospel. To pray and to proclaim this message of salvation that is the only hope for those who are lost. You and I are to pray for gospel fruitfulness in the lives of unbelievers, and then you and I are to go share the good news of the gospel with them so that they may hear and repent and believe. Now, with the new building, there's also going to be an element of invitation, right? Inviting those to come. It's a good thing for you to invite others, right? Invite them to come and see our new building when we're in there. Gives us a great opportunity for that, this new building, um, invite people to come and see. Some will be coming, willing to come and see the building uh, who may not come other times to church, right? 
But it's important for us to know that ultimately we aren't inviting people to see a building. We're inviting people to come and see Jesus. We're inviting for people to come and hear the good news that they can be freed from this bondage of sin. That they can be freed from the hurt and pain, if not in this life, in eternity. That they would just repent and believe on Christ. That's what we're inviting people to. So invite people to see the new building. Invite people to youth group. Invite them to Awana. But do it so that they have an opportunity to hear this gospel. But don't only invite them to church programming. Invite them to your home. Invite them to the park. Invite them over for dinner. Invite them to come along with you wherever you're going so that you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. So that you have an opportunity to preach this glorious gospel in all the places of life. Another aspect to this preaching the gospel is that we are to preach the gospel boldly. This is a bold preaching of the gospel. We don't need to water it down. We don't need to wrap it up in a nice package to try to make it more appealing to somebody. We need to preach it with confidence. If we believe that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is what saves, we need to proclaim that boldly, without shame. We see this throughout the book of Acts. Many times as you read throughout the book of Acts, you read that that the preaching and the teaching and the speaking of God's word, of the gospel, is done with great boldness. We see that Paul asked that for believers to pray for him, that he would preach it with boldness. Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says that he is not leaves into the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. There is no doubt in his mind. And so he preached it with boldness unashamedly. Is that how we do it? Is that how we approach sharing the gospel with lost around us? Or are we kind of timid, maybe a little unashamed? Yeah, I'm one of those Christians, those churchgoers. But you, you can be too. Paul proclaimed it boldly, unashamedly. We need to proclaim it boldly. We have a message of salvation. Why wouldn't we preach it boldly? What do we have to be ashamed of? See, when we preach the gospel boldly, we know from God's word that some will be saved. Do you believe that? Because if you don't believe that someone could be saved, you'll never preach the gospel boldly. You won't have faith. You won't have confidence that God's word actually will impact a life of this unbeliever in front of you. You won't do it unless you believe that this gospel actually has power to save. And through your preaching of the gospel, when you and I preach the gospel, when we share this message of salvation with others, some will be saved. This is God's heart for the lost, right? That through the preaching of the word, that they would turn, that they would repent and believe and have life. Do you believe that? Preach it boldly. God will save some. The other aspect in this bold preaching of the gospel that we need to be aware of is you preach the gospel, you need to be aware that you are entering enemy 
territory. Right? You with me? You're entering enemy territory. The preaching of the gospel invites, it brings on, you are entering, you're engaging into spiritual warfare. There's a real enemy of God. He stands opposed to the goal. He does not want you to do this. Right? He does not want you to go out into the world with a bold proclamation of the gospel. He stands opposed to it. And his name is Satan the devil. The evil one. He does not want this gospel preached and he's going to bring his power of hell to try to stop it. To try to prevent you from going and boldly proclaiming this gospel message. Ephesians 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 12 says, We wrestle against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is what we're doing. We are wrestling spiritual forces of evil when we go to preach the gospel. As you go to preach the gospel, you're going to face extreme opposition. That devil, that evil one, he's going to light those flaming darts, those flaming arrows, and he's going to shoot them right at you. He's going to try to lie to you. This gospel doesn't do anything. You're a fool. People will reject you if you try to tell them about Jesus Christ. You really, you, sinful you, you're going to go and tell people this gospel? Flaming darts, lies of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith. Extinguish those arrows. There'll be flaming darts of doubt and insecurity. These are going to be temptations for us to back off. Well, maybe this isn't the right time. Maybe this isn't the right, maybe these aren't the right circumstances. That's the temptation that will come every time. Stand up in faith. Not only will you face these temptations, but the other reality is that the preaching, the bold preaching of this gospel will cost you. So just be ready for it, right? Be ready for it. It will cost you, right? It will cost you time and money as you invest in other lost people. It might cost you your job. Some of you here have lost your positions of work because of this gospel, might cost you to, the cost might be a loss of a, a friendship. You might lose credibility in, this, in the eyes of the world. People in your workplace, people at school might laugh at you and make fun of you for this gospel. A whole variety of possibilities, but it will cost you if you take this seriously, a bold preaching of the gospel. Good news is you have a Savior who can relate to you, right? The gospel came at a cost to Jesus Christ. God's Son left the glories of heaven behind. He set his deity, the glories of his deity behind to take on humanity, to come humbly, to be mocked and scorned and shamed. To suffer and die, it was costly. 
The gospel was costly to Jesus Christ. And it will cost you something. This is why we need a boldness in preaching. This is why we need you to be praying for Pastor Jeremy when he's doing the regular preaching that he would proclaim the gospel boldly as he should. This is why we need to be praying for others in our family, in our Bible studies, in our relationships here at church, that one another, that we would go proclaim this gospel boldly, unashamed, because it's the power that saves comes. Take our stand. Take your stand. Receive the cost, whatever comes. Whatever that cost is that comes your way, take it. Preach the gospel boldly so that we can see lost people believe this gospel and receive eternal life. So as we make a move to a new building, don't lose sight of this ministry before us. Don't lose sight of the call to go and make disciples, which includes reaching the lost. Let's work hard together to reach the lost and to make disciples. Let's pray together. Father God, oh, how we praise you. Thank you for this great salvation that is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you for his work done on our behalf. God, would you give us a boldness to go into a lost world full of hurting, desperate, spiritually dead people. Give us a boldness to proclaim the gospel that saves. May it be to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.